welcome to The Rob Burgess Show. I am, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 198th episode, our returning guest is Ash Burgess. You first heard Ash Burgess on episodes 16, 26, 27, 39, 58, 63, 77, 86, 191, 100, 124, 130, 136, 142, 143, 148, 151, 154, 165, 176, 184, 191, and episode 82, which also featured fellow regular guest Jonathan Fowler of the podcast. Ash Burgess has a dusty degree in religious studies and an appetite for both high and low culture. She strives to celebrate the best of every season with her young children. Follow her on Instagram at ashburgess, all one word, and subscribe to her YouTube channel. A quick programming note. If you want to hear the episode we recorded almost a year ago, before we began our homeschooling journey, that would be episode 176. And now on to the show. Welcome. Yes, I'm so glad to be here again. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah. It's me, and this time my sidecar is asleep. And wearing the cutest dinosaur foot pajamas in the world. Maybe for the last time ever. I know, it's really sad because the cloud pajamas, which are also very cute, have busted a hole in like the toe part of the foot and another part of the foot is ripping. Plus I think she's just getting too tall for them, so. Mm-hmm. But these dinosaur pajamas have been through, she's the third that has worn them. But they're starting to get kind of threadbare, so yeah, it's, it's very sad. We either have to retire them now to save them in case we have a fourth, or as you said, we're gonna have to like invest in a new replacement set of dinosaur pajamas. Although we'll always know it's not the original. Yeah. It's been through all three. Yeah. Performed admirably. I know. <laughs> I wish that like I could be as cute wearing dinosaur <laughs> foot items of any kind as, as she can be. <laughs> But anyway, to get back onto topic, so (laughs) I'm here once more. You are, and this is, I'll have to look, I don't know what the exact date was the last time we put out uh, the episode where we talked about right before our first year of homeschooling was to start. It was probably around this time, maybe maybe, maybe August of last year. Middle of lockdown. Yeah, I think like August of last year is probably because we were like thinking we were going to start pretty soon, and, Mm -hmm. and we did start. And we started, we were going to wait until, like, Labor Day, and then we started a little early because we got too excited. But we've been through a whole year of of homeschooling. We have. And I'm excited to talk about our reflections on that topic. Yeah, I mean, I want to reflect back on, you know, our first year, and then it kind of feels like it's still going, too, because, you know, we took a little break. Mm -hmm. So we did kind of a full year. We started, you know, last end of August. We did kind of what we thought of as kind of our full year, and then... After a few weeks, though, we started back up into kind of a kind of a transitional summer schooling, just because you know we found that you know we wanted the routine. We kind of had been in a good routine, and we felt like we kind of wanted to just get back into it. And we realized so many advantages of just kind of moving towards a more year-round platform. But anyway, I mean, we can talk more about that later. But anyway, mm-hmm. we're kind of still in it, but we're also gearing up for more as we kind of roll into the fall and we really officially start our second year. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be, I think, a bigger and hopefully better year than ever because, you know, not only do we have the experience of this past year to draw on, but we also have a second person joining us in the sense that we've got, we'll, we'll have our first grader, you know, so we've got our rising first grader and we also have our 
newly turned four-year-old who's kind of rising into our kind of pre-K, preschool, mm-hmm. you know, level that we're going to be doing with her. So we're going to be, on the one hand, now we're doing something we've done before, but on the other hand, it's like going to be different because we're doing two kids at once now. And we've already sort of started to tiptoe into those waters with doing stuff with her over the summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think that was a good decision just to keep going. I do too. Well, it was... And it, and it came, I think, as part of, partially it came for practical reasons, just to do with kind of our family dynamic and feeling like the kids were, you know, a little bit at loose ends without the structure. Because, you know, when we went into summer vacation, suddenly we had all this free time, which sounds great. But I do think that children in general, and maybe our kids specifically, do thrive with a more structured day. So it was, you know, there were those practical concerns, and especially with, you know, just the time and the era that we happen to be living in, there's less to do outside the house too. So I'm sure maybe in a different scenario, if we had more going on over the summer, it would be more like, Oh, we have time to do more, but we're, we're at home enough at this point in our lives that like, it's good to have that structure in the home and to keep going. But also I feel like for me, I was part of kind of a general untethering from a traditional school schedule that I've kind of experienced in the sense that, I really kind of was awakened to the advantages of going to a more year-round platform. And that's something that I always said I would never do. Because I always thought, oh, it's so great to have this break in the summer. I'll never. And then it's like you start to reevaluate, you know, why do I think that I need to do things a certain way and what's actually best for my family? And when I realized that if we did more of a year-round structure, we could take larger breaks when we want to. Mm -hmm. Like if we want to take a larger break around Christmas... Or if we want to go on a vacation at a random time, we can. And we don't have to worry about how we'll make that up within the school year because we're actually doing way more weeks and way more school days than we're required to. So we don't have to feel this pressure of we need to make sure that we've done the required number of days or weeks or whatever so that we're officially doing everything right and we're not neglecting our kids and we won't be in trouble with the state or whatever. I mean, the state we live in is super loose, but there's still some accountability. And if we ever move anywhere else or whatever, it's just nice kind of knowing that we have the built-in ability to be so flexible because we're actually really exceeding what we need to do and that it's better for our kids because they're having the opportunity to do more And in the subjects that they're really interested in, we can do way more because we have that extra time. And in the subjects where maybe we're struggling, we can slow things down and not be afraid we're slipping behind because we do have that extra time to take things slower and kind of go through things and make sure that within the year we'll have done just as much as we need to, even if we had to do it a little slower at certain points for someone if they're having an issue with certain concepts, you know? Mm -hmm. So I feel like... But also we can do really interesting studies we would never have time to do otherwise like this summer the thing that we really that really got us excited to start going again is that i found a science curriculum that's all about dinosaurs and prehistoric life Mm -hmm. and that's something that our son is super interested in Mm -hmm. and i'm actually it's it's the first interest that he's had that i feel like i'm i've been interested in the things he's been interested in before but this is the first interest he's had that i've been like really really excited about Mm -hmm. like i've been really excited to learn more about that stuff too Mm -hmm. and so it's something and it's something that we're kind of all doing together and it's really really fun and we have time to do that because 
we just kind of started up with school again. Whereas otherwise we'd be thinking, how can we shoehorn this into our traditional school year, you know? Like he was like distraught today when he thought for a time that we weren't going to be able to do our dinosaur studies today. He was. And that's something that like, and I don't want to paint like a, it's all roses picture. Like he's not like, not every school subject is something that he would be distraught if we said we were skipping the day for. Right. But it is nice to know that we are able to be doing something that he is like, Every day, like, he's asking me in the morning, like, is are we doing this? And he's excited for it, and he's ready to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, I'm interested to hear about the curriculum choices, because when you're a homeschool parent, that is the, that's the gift and the curse, right? Because... It is, and it's especially... Up to, it's up to you, because it's not up to someone else. So. And especially, I think, even the most for us than, you know, some other <clears throat> people, because... Some states mandate, you know, what subjects you teach and things like that. Our state is so incredibly loose that I mean, and even in the sub- states where they mandate we are what subjects you and teach, legal. we have the we email. Are, no, we totally are. But I'm saying like some states to register and be legal, you have to say and maybe even prove that you're covering certain subjects. Our state, it's really you're just really on the loose, which I think is great for us. I mean, it's a little scary maybe for people that could be not doing. <laughs> enough for their kids i personally feel like even though i constantly struggle as i think all do all parents do or all good parents at least struggle constantly with thinking you know am i doing enough for my kids and always thinking what more could i do i do think that even though i do have those feelings of course i do think that we really are going pretty far with our kids like we're we're really doing a lot for them Mm -hmm. and it's exciting and, but did you want to talk about what we did last year and what worked and what didn't work? Or did you want to talk more about what we're doing this year? Because I, I feel like last year... But I feel like our choices from last year informed some of our decisions for next year. They so. did. So should I kind of talk a little bit about what we did yeah. last year? Or mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's, they're not really we separate We talked about what we were going to do already in a previous episode. So I think mm-hmm. people, if they've listened to that episode, would already yes. know kind so they would of what have we a good foundation. So now I can so talk they, more about what I'm planning yeah. to do. And I may reference back some things Yeah. as far as what I've changed. And you pretty much stuck with what you said you were going to do at that point, I assume. I did. We did make some changes in that um, we actually completed two full... Elementary, we, we completed two full kindergarten math curriculums last year. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if I mentioned the second mm-hmm. curriculum in that because I think we were just, you know, we started with one curriculum and we did c- complete that. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was very, it was easy and it was pretty light and it didn't really, I feel like, do as much for us as it should have, although <clears throat> our son did love it. So, I mean, that was nice. But we completed a whole secondary math curriculum, and now over the summer, I'm actually doing just a little bit more kindergarten math too, because it's just it's 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 a super important area for me to like mm-hmm. make sure that we're really like nailing it. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a big change that we've made with math in that. So last year we started out with um, it was master books. Um, lessons for living education. It was like a very easy kind of easing into the waters, kind of a story based math curriculum. And then we completed that very quickly because mm-hmm. he was like, I mean, it was, it was very easy. And we, I basically just had him do a week's worth of lessons every day. So we got through that in just like a couple months. Mm-hmm. 
And then we got another curriculum, which was called, um, oh, I'm, I'm grasping to remember the exact name of it. Kindergarten Math with Confidence. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, was really good in a lot of ways. It really helped me mentally to kind of understand a lot about teaching math and about, like, you know, how to do certain things. But wasn't a perfect fit for us. And we did complete the whole program and we did well with it, but I still wanted to move into something else. So for this school year, I decided we wanted to move into dimensions math, which is made by the same people who do the Singapore math. It's basically Singapore math, but it's slightly adapted for an American audience. I'm not really sure the total difference. It's the same methodology. It's just like slightly different in the layout. But anyway, I wanted to make the switch to that. So I got, and the way that they do that, they put out each level is supposed to be kind of half a school year. Mm -hmm. So I got him the second half of the kindergarten year just to work on over the summer because they do do some things differently and introduce certain concepts in their kindergarten level that weren't introduced in either of the levels we've been through. Mm -hmm. Like they work with number bonds, which is basically addition. Hmm. But it's just another, it's a different conceptual way of thinking about addition that neither of the other two curriculums that I used did. So I wanted to do this kind of second half of their kindergarten just to kind of make sure that we were on par with that. And we're, we're going through it very fast, though. So I think by like midway through September, we'll probably be into the first grade. Mm-hmm. But so we're working on that. And that's been going well so far, too, although I still think it's not a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm still, like, I feel like I'm experiencing, like, a, I wouldn't say Goldilocks because that's only, like, you try on three different things and the third one is the fit. But I'm having that sort of an experience with math curriculums. Like, I really want to, I think because I had a history as a child of struggling with math, mm-hmm. it's so important to me to make sure that that is not the story for our kids. That I feel like I'm, like, in that sort of, like, I'll keep trying things on until I find the perfect fit. Or maybe there is no perfect fit, but I, like, I'm committed to questing for the for the perfect fit, you know, ongoingly. I will say he does seem to take well to math in general, I feel. He does. So. He does. I mean, I think the only struggle is just that, like, like many people, I think, who generally pick up things quickly, he chafes at, at, at the idea of having to, like, exert himself. So it's like I'm trying to find ways to kind of build stamina. Like he's he's good at things, but it's it's a lot of the things he's. I mean, this is every. I obviously everybody does this to a certain sure. degree. I mean, you like the things you like probably because you are naturally have a, a, a you are are adapted to them and would you know you enjoy the feeling of being good at something. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> And anything that, like, didn't immediately like that, it's <laughs> like, course. hey, wait a second. <laughs> of course, of course. But I also, uh, the other thing I'm excited about with math is that I have a supplementary curriculum that I've also purchased that I'm planning to use all this year along with the um, along with the Singapore Dimensions, which we're going to be using this year, both for our rising first grader and also for our, you know, going to be in preschooler. I also have a curriculum that I've got called Wild Math, which is basically 
it's I'm using it supplementarily, but for someone who's maybe more extreme, you could use this as your primary curriculum because it does. And I, now that I've looked through a lot of math programs, I can see if something really includes what it should or doesn't. And this really does include everything. But it's all about how to teach math like outdoors and using like natural materials. Mm. And it does include like a full, you know, like everything that you would need to teach for like each grade. So it's, it's actually a really robust curriculum. But I like it because not only does it give you ideas for how you could do those things outdoors, a lot of them are adaptable for just indoors and just kind of more hands-on or like kind of giving you the instructions for how you could create practice problems in the specific area your kid is working on. So, you know, if they're working on multiplication or addition or number bonds, it kind of gives you instructions so that you could then formulate the practices for them, mm-hmm. which I'm excited to use. And it's something that I can use both with, you know, like I said, like our toddler and also our, you know, going to be in first grader. So I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. I've also read a book called um, Mathematical Mindsets, which was really helpful to me in kind mm-hmm. of getting ideas about just what's important in teaching math and how to make people not just how to make your kids be good at math or even this was even something you could apply to yourself but also just like thinking about how to make math pleasurable Mm -hmm. to someone who might not realize that it's something that they could like and I felt like that was really helpful to me even me as someone who've never considered themselves a mathy person to really take the time and think about kind of the beauty in mathematics and the aesthetics because I love aesthetic things and I love shapes and all those things and to really think about that in a more mathematical way and have like more of an appreciation in that sense mm-hmm. yeah definitely um, but I'm I'm also interested in talking about in addition to the curriculum I mean not in addition to it's, it's I mean not in addition the, to it's part of the, so much more to say about curriculum oh but, sorry go ahead no no but go on with what you were saying we well you, you mentioned both of our kids and, and that is a change from last year we were really just planning for the one and now we've kind of got two going on yes we have be- two going on and and because we have kind of a one-room schoolhouse situation going on here it's kind of things inevitably bleed over from one to the other so well and I feel like though and that's part of the reason why we're doing more for our you know rising preschooler than we did for our son because with him it was just kind of like yeah we should probably do a little bit to kind of get him ready for kindergarten you know make sure he knows his letters and his numbers Mm mm-hmm and, you know, that's pretty much what we did. And, I mean, we naturally have always been, you know, like a kind of a reading family and stuff like that. So, I mean, I think he was prepared in that way, but we didn't put a lot of effort into being like, now we're doing preschool, you know. Mm. We did a few, like, workbooks and stuff with him just to kind of brush up right beforehand. But other than that, we pretty much just kind of let it happen organically. Kind of, I guess, like an unschooling sort of model. Mm-hmm. But, of course... Children that have older siblings always want to do what the older siblings do. Mm-hmm. I mean, so our, you know, our new four-year-old, you know, she always wants to know, like, if he's getting out a workbook, she's like, where's my workbook? And where's my school stuff? And when do I get to do this? She's not willing to just be, like, on the sidelines. She's to... not willing to, like, sit on the floor and play no. while he's at the table doing math problems. She, like, wants to do some math problems, too. Yes, Absolutely. And so that's exciting, though, and so it kind of, 
And I, there are things that I would have maybe in retrospect done differently as far as preparing him for kindergarten. I think he made it all his Oh, marks. he made it fine. No, it's not that he didn't do well. It's just that there are some things that had we done them earlier, and, and I've never been one to say you should push early academics, but there are some things that had we done them earlier, we I did feel all through the kindergarten year that I was like trying to do a lot. And there are some things that if we had just sort of slowly started doing them a few years before, then we would have sort of had less to do in kindergarten, if that makes sense. Or mm-hmm. we could have moved on to other things or whatever. Not to, like, push him forward more, but just to kind of... Like like what I said about how we finished two math curriculums. Uh-huh. The first math curriculum that we did in kindergarten, even though it was a kindergarten math curriculum, we easily could have just done that curriculum the year before. Mm-hmm. And then he would have just been ready for the second curriculum and we could have just taken, like, a meandering path and not, like, you know what I mean? And then I would have felt, because I did feel a little bit of stress last year before I had kind of untethered myself from the idea of following a more traditional school schedule. I felt sort of pressure to be like, oh, my gosh, like, if we skipped a day of math or, like, a day of handwriting or something, I felt like, oh, no, we're, like, slipping behind. Mm-hmm. And I had a planner, and I had planned out what was happening. And so then if we missed a day, it's like, oh, no, how am I going to make this day? You know what I mean? I felt like a certain pressure to keep, like, pushing us forward. Are you saying you're not going to use a planner this year? I'm planning a lot, but instead of planning, like, you know, planner where I'm, like, planning, like, what we're doing every day, I more have, like, a routine planned. And in my mind, I have a routine planned of, like, what I want to get done in the week and when I think it will be happening. But it's very flexible. Mm -hmm. And I also now understand that, like, like, let's say I'm imagining that certain things happen on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And, like, one Tuesday, it doesn't happen. I'm not going to be like, oh, no, no, on Thursday we have to do Tuesday and Thursday. I'm just going to be like, all right, so on Thursday we're doing Tuesday and then we're doing original Thursday next Tuesday you know and that's okay because we have that leisure time we have that extra time built in whereas last year I just always felt like a little bit of a sense of emergency of like oh no you know if we don't do all five math lessons this week next week we're slipping behind and soon we're not going to like finish the curriculum Mm -hmm. and obviously I felt too much of a sense of urgency because somehow I was able to complete two full year long math curriculums within last year but Mm -hmm. still um, but going back to what you were saying about now we have two people mm-hmm. working. Um, so there's things like, like I was saying, so there's things that like I would do differently as far as like, there are some things we could have introduced sooner or more concentratedly with our son if we wanted to. And I think, I don't think he was harmed by not doing that, but it would have been fine for him if we had done it. And, you know, for our daughter, since she's wanting those things, I'm excited to do more with her. Mm-hmm. Also, I do think that, it's an attention issue. I don't necessarily think that academically she needs much work for preschool so much as I think she needs the attention of having us concentrate that attention on her, especially because so much, like like when my son was a preschooler, I mean, my attention was just on the kids and like doing stuff with them. Now that he is a schooler, so much of my day is doing his school stuff with him that I feel like 
you know, our daughter, you know, she's the middle child and I feel like she gets kind of lost in the shuffle between, you know, my energy is so concentrated on doing school stuff and taking care of the baby that I think that more than anything, the reason why I think it'll be good for her to be doing the preschool stuff is just for her to know that I'm focusing that concentrated attention on doing some things that are specially designed for her. Because, I mean, don't get me wrong, she's already, like, especially this summer, she's been joining us for the stuff we're doing. Like, she's joined us in, like, that dinosaur stuff that I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. So she's doing stuff with us. Like, we're doing a lot of, like, more, and more and more this year, we're going to be doing more family-style learning. Mm -hmm. But I do think that it's good for her to feel like there are some things that are specially for her, and Mm -hmm. we're concentrating on her, and she's getting that individual attention And that it's things that are designed for her. Because even though she is able to join us family style for some of the stuff Mm -hmm. we're doing that's designed for an older child. And I think it can be good for a kid to do stuff that's like a reach for them. It's also nice for people to have something age appropriate that's really just like to their interest or their developmental needs. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited for her to be doing more of that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm interested to hear what really uh, some some maybe things that you thought were gonna work out curriculum wise that that didn't or maybe you didn't work out quite as well as you'd hoped or maybe it wasn't apparent that it was making an impact okay well i think the biggest issue that i've had is with teaching kind of language arts and i think that that is interesting because i would say that that's my personally strongest area But I actually wonder if that makes it harder for me to teach because if you, like, I feel like I'm I'm struggling to find a way to say this without sounding conceited or, like, (laughs) braggy. But I'm really good at language arts, like, naturally. And that's not to say that I haven't struggled in certain areas. Because, I mean, language arts is a pretty broad umbrella term. And there are certain things that I would not say I'm naturally good at, nor or I haven't been, like, trained in, and so I don't really have that as a strong... Like, I wouldn't say I'm a great speller. But in general, like, just as far as, like, how I've performed in, like, classes and, like, tests, I would say that my... I have a stronger natural aptitude for language arts type of things than like most people Mm -hmm. and I think that that possibly makes it difficult for me to teach certain things because when something just kind of seems obvious to you it's hard to figure out how to teach it if it just seems like it's sort of apparent Mm -hmm. if that makes sense Also, I've kind of had to figure out, like, how much instruction in certain areas is actually necessary. Like, how much effort are you supposed to expect to need to put into teaching someone how to read? Or, like, what is an age-appropriate amount of effort that you should expect someone to put into, like, understanding like the kind of more abstract or more like emotional meaning of a text and how do you teach someone how to extract that kind of meaning i don't know 
It, but but that's the kind of thing that I think maybe if it was more difficult for me, it would be easier for me to understand how to teach it. Be like Dead Poets Society, I guess. Sure. I mean, I don't know where there are any caves that we can go into or anything. <laughs> I don't know. That's a tough one. Kind because, of little, yeah. Well, like they said, like to bring it back to Dead Poets Society, doesn't there that scene where he's like, describes like, oh, the poem is supposed to be this, and it's like a math problem, and he's like, no, it's not math, or whatever. So that's, yeah. why, that's probably why it's harder to teach. It's probably easier to teach math. because No, it like, is easier to teach math, even for me, and I was so, that was the thing that I had so much anxiety about like going into one last year. One plus two, no matter what, and you know what I mean, like... Well, and it's like, I feel like I, I had so much anxiety going into teaching math, because I don't want to mess it up. And it's important to me that my kids are feel strong and good in math. But for me, it's like I'm kind of learning the math with him. And it's very straightforward. And I feel very excited about, like, where it's going. With the language arts, it's more like, how do I communicate this? And am I doing enough? And I, and I think, too, though, part of it is that here, here's to kind of, this is related somewhat to language arts, although I feel good about what I did with language arts last year. Mm -hmm. But there's more that I would like to do this year and some things I'd like to do a little differently. But related to what you were saying about, you know, what things worked and what didn't, I think that I've really had to think hard about my ability to cobble things together. Because I always have the impulse, like when I look at curriculum, mm -hmm. and it's so expensive... And it's like, what are you even really paying for? I could definitely do this myself if I had time. And that's the if. It's if I had time. And I think that I need to be really realistic with myself. Because there's, and I've even shown you certain things and you've been like, oh no. Well, you could easily put this together. But it's like, I literally feel like I'm being extravagant sometimes when I like take too long in the bathroom. So it's like, I don't have, maybe I don't have time to like cobble this together as well as if I just pay the like, $50 for someone else to have, like, planned this for me. I almost, not exactly, but I almost feel this is similar to people that are, like, life coaches and stuff. Because mm -hmm. it's, like, what you're really buying is that someone has, like, sat down and, like, made a plan. And it's, like, sure. you're, you're going to, like, buy into a pre-made plan that, like, Someone can help you achieve. You know what I mean? It's is like, that what life coaches do? Because I've never. I don't know. I've never been to one either. I'm just life, assuming. I just thought life coaches were like, "What do you really want to be doing right now?" And then they like tell you to do it or something. Like you are the one that has to do all the yes. stuff yes. that the life coach tells you anyway. So it's mm -hmm. like you could just tell yourself all this stuff. Yeah. And it's probably all stuff you know, and it's, it's like, all stuff that you know to tell yourself, but. But for me, it's like... Work with, hard. Believe in yourself. Yes. Focus. But with the homeschooling planning, <laughs> though, really it's like, I'm totally able to, like, pick a book to read and then think of fun projects to do about the book <laughs> and then think of connected resource yeah. materials and discover well, what is out there at the library that we could connect to this and then plan out which pages to read. But it's like, that takes so much time. <laughs> and I feel like I have no time. I feel okay. like every day I have a list of 50 things to do yes. and I get 20 of them done. Yes. Obviously. So it's like, yes, in theory, I'm fully intellectually capable of cobbling together something as good or maybe even better than what I could purchase. But sometimes it's good to just admit that, like, I'm not really capable of doing that because I don't have the time. 
And so maybe it is better to just like invest in like... At the same time, not to put anyone on blast, but when you showed me the um, uh, curriculum kind of outline of something you were interested in, in getting... Not naming no names here, but I'm But sure. you just thought that that was, like, too twee-seeming. No. No. Not over, not at all. Like, it, but it was just, like... <laughs> then you're, like, having a puppet show and painting pegs, and it's, like... That is the opposite of what I wanted But to. what you said is that you think that our children aren't the kind of children that respond well to, like, painting peg dolls and having puppet shows. <laughs> and that's probably true, because I know that that would devolve into chaos. I, I, I only say that because I feel that our kids are a little bit more rough and tumble than, like, a lot of other kids. Like, I feel like a lot of other kids are just kind of a little wispier <laughs> than our kids. I do think that, like, our kids are, like, strong dark coffee to the, like, yes. coffee with milk and sugar of, like, a regular yes. child. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. They're very strong. Yeah. yeah. And and even in, like, different ways than each other. Like, our kids good, are not bad, even... Never good, our never kids are, like, between. not even very similar to one another. No. They're just both... And well, I think our third too, but yes. I mean, she's, you know, she's yet to enter the schooling situation and all like as, as a student exactly. But I think our kids are all just intense and bold and like mm-hmm. vigorous. I'm just saying your average like <laughs> child may be placated by a, a, a good old fashioned uh, puppet theater. <laughs> then again, I feel like sometimes I'll do an activity with the kids that really surprises me with like how much they like it mm-hmm. like for years you scoffed at because i i mentioned to you that a lot of people say we should get those like you know those flowing carl for colorful silk scarves <laughs> that's and only you, because you, each one like, how much does it cost <laughs> you're like 16 to 20 dollars a piece that's what i'm saying like per scarf we have gotten that much enjoyment out of them already in just like the few months that we've had them yeah, yes no now that i've seen but i think there's a lot of things like that them. the same with like the like really boring looking Montessori inspired toys. I scoffed at those for years, but those are like the only toys that the baby plays with. <laughs> she loves like the pegs and she's putting them in and she's taking them out and she's putting them I in. I was like, who are you? <laughs> no, but it's like those type of things, kids like that stuff, even if it doesn't seem as it's appealing. So basic, but that's what babies like because they I like know. to fixate on like one skill that they can really develop mm-hmm. and master. Yeah. And they love the feeling of the expensive natural materials underneath oh, their yeah. fingertips. They can, they can feel the extra expense. They can. Yeah. They really no, can. No, I'm not. Yeah, definitely. But I feel like there is like more that we want to talk about. I don't want to take, I don't want to make your episode too long, but I feel like there's so much more to say. Well, let's say it. Well, I mean, so I mentioned one book that I read, The Mathematical Mindsets, but I also over the summer have been doing some kind of I would like to call it, like, professional development by, like, reading some popular homeschooling books. And that's something I didn't do going into homeschooling just because, I mean, I had a new baby last year and didn't really have time to do that. And also, you know, we mentioned it in our previous episode. We haven't mentioned it now. I mean, I was homeschooled for, like, most of my childhood. So I didn't, like, it's, it's not like this was something that was foreign to me and I was like, how do I do this? Like, I feel like I had a good jumping off point. But I decided this year just to kind of still read some of the popular books that are out now, you know, to get ideas. So I read um, The Brave Learner, which is super popular right now. I think it's by Julie, I want to say Bogart. And that book was, like, so good until it wasn't. Mm-hmm. 
And I was actually really surprised because I know people love that book and I totally understand why now that I've read it because it was really, really great in like so many ways. Like I felt like of all the books I read, that was my favorite until it like basically sent me into like a depression, like towards the end of the book. Like I feel like because the part that was so good was that it gave realistic and practical, but still things that felt like they were, you know, an inspiration and a contribution to my ideas about like what to do in the homeschool to make things work, like how to motivate your kids. Cause I mean, one of the really good points that she makes in that book is that you as the homeschool parent feel like you have something to prove because you're doing this thing. That's like a little bit different than what the rest of society is maybe bought into. So it's like, you feel like you've got something to prove and that's a motivation right there to make sure that things are going well. Your kid has like nothing to prove. They're in the most, because when you're uncomfortable, that's when you're motivated. You know, you're uncomfortable as the homeschooling parent because you're like, I need to make sure that this works out for my kids and that this looks okay to everyone else. As the kid, you're the most comfortable because you're in your home with your family, the most comfortable place ever. So you have like less motivation than anyone to like do, you have nothing to prove as a kid. Like, do you need to prove, I mean, hopefully you don't feel like you need to prove to your parents that you're like smart and exciting and good, you know what I mean? So it's like, and you're, you're home, you're in your pajamas, you're, you know. So I think that was a good point in just thinking about like the mindset of like, of course you as the parent have more of a natural fire to be like, we need to make sure this is all happening. And then, and then giving actual useful ideas though, and how you can excite your learner to like get them to like want to do things. So I thought that was like, that was so helpful. And there were some other things like that that I felt like were like really inspirational. And I totally understand why people really like this. But then at the end of the book, and like, I did fear that this was coming because throughout the book, whenever she would tell stories about her family, whenever she would mention her husband, she would refer to him as either by his first name or as like, my children's father. And so that's why I feared that this was coming. But then towards the end of the book, she like gets a divorce Mm. and that was really sad because it just kind of feels like, well, I mean, I know a lot of people get divorces and it's really not one individual person's fault if a divorce happens because no matter what you do there's a second person in your relationship and it could be their fault that the divorce has happened so i mean i don't totally like it's not like i'm saying like i cast shade on this woman because she got a divorce at the same time though that makes everything that she said less aspirational in the sense that it's like your entire family kind of failed I mean, in a certain way, <laughs> I mean, that sounds really harsh, but I think I mostly mean that in the sense that I know I don't think that like your entire family has failed because you got a divorce, but in the sense that like there were certain things that she mentioned throughout the book and then later in light of the fact that she got a divorce, maybe it's like, maybe this isn't actually just the way things are. Maybe this is just the way things are and you're failing <laughs> dynamic. Cause like there was a whole section where she talked about how like, your home will always be messy and you'll never be able to get the people in your family to clean up to your standards and they'll never help you enough. Yeah, you're and like, like, look how well that worked out for you, lady. And it's like, it's like, and then later she gets a divorce and it's like, well, I'm, well. Not, I'm not, I'm not, 
And like, of course, it's like my home is never clean to my standards, but it's like, I still have hope that one day I'll figure out how to manage things, you know what I mean? But it's like, she was just so like, you, like, I, I don't know, I just felt like towards the end of the book, she had all these chapters about how you should like, give up on like, trying to like, have like, a clean house and things like that. And then like, very shortly after those chapters, which were very disheartening, she's like, and then we had a divorce, and it's wow. like, well. <laughs> I mean, maybe she got the book contract at a different time in her life. <laughs> but it just felt so, so depressing and sad because, like, most of the book was so, like, optimistic and it felt very useful and energetic. And then towards the end, it really just felt like things kind of ran to ground. Mm. So there was that book, which I took a lot of good away from. But at the same time, I felt so bad by the end that I was like, this is not really working out. Yeah, it wasn't even worth it. Um... But there were still, like, so many things about that book that I liked that it's just, like, I wish that, like, that book could have left out those parts and I would have liked it more. And then I also read um, Call of the Wild and Free. And let me preface this by saying that Wild and Free is wild plus sign free. Mm. And I had never been aware. I was aware of this book, but I wasn't aware of any of the other, like, things surrounding this person who wrote the book before going into it. And I felt like this was another book that, like, it was less useful to me than The Brave Learner was, probably because it was more targeted at someone who's just considering homeschooling, and it's like, seems like a new and dangerous idea to them. Whereas since I was homeschooled as a child, homeschooling did not seem like a dangerous or new idea to me. So I wasn't exactly the target audience. Also, even though there was a lot that was really good, which I'll get into after I mention what was not good about it. There, there was a lot that I felt like that was not good about it, which was that apparently the person who wrote this book operates some kind of a website and does, like, homeschooling conferences. So it's kind of like a whole, like, the Wild Plus Free is like a, like, a brand. Mm. And so it felt kind of like a soft backdoor infomercial for, like, joining their, like, conferences. And, like, I'm always a little bit, like, I'm, I'm the opposite of a joiner. Like, I don't want to come Wake to your group. Now. <laughs> I don't want to come to your group. I don't want to come to the conference. Mm -hmm. I don't want to pay, like, $3,000 to, like, camp in the woods with the no. other people that got tricked into coming to your <laughs> conference. So that part was, like, not so good. The part that was good, though, was, I think I mentioned more towards the beginning of this episode, like, the feeling of, like, really untethering from feeling tied to a traditional school schedule. And that was the part where I, that was the inspiration I really took from that was, like, feeling like, why do I have to feel this sense of, like, oh, we can't do any school on, like, the weekend? I mean, I usually like to take the weekend off to have, like, a rest and reset and prep for the week, but I still feel like more the idea of, like, taking on kind of a homeschooling as, like, a family lifestyle not as something that happens during school hours. And that's something that I felt like, even though I was homeschooled as a kid, I definitely felt like my family always kind of operated on the idea of like, you know, like my parents were sort of cautious about taking us out and about during school hours. Like to be seen not doing like scholastic things, you know, bet between the hours of nine and three. And I feel like we always felt very like, even when we were, like, at home, it's, like, at 3 o'clock, it's, like, school's over. I, like, refuse to do any more schoolwork. You know what I mean? And I, I feel like and, – and we always took, like, the certain, you know, the school vacations and stuff kind of in line with the school system. 
And we were very like on track with that. And I, and I just really realized that like, I don't need or want to feel bound to that. And that was like the good I think that I took from that book was that it was very inspirational kind of in that avenue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no reason to feel tied to that. Yeah, or just just at least to like if you have certain ideas about when something should be happening and what pressure you should put on yourself to evaluate why do you have that idea and is that actually working for you and why are you doing it or even just like the pressure yeah well let me get on my soapbox here and and say that i think the whole idea that you're supposed to go on a certain schedule to school and then you get out it's like it's just training you to work at a job for 40 hours a week and they're just like getting your mindset you know what I mean it's just like but that. I'm more interested in and this is something that was touched on both in that Wild and Free book and The Brave Learner mm -hmm. I'm more interested in just being like our family lifestyle is of like education yeah and it's inspired me too something that both of those books inspired me to do also is to do more active learning of my own in front of our children instead of putting it off like Things like, you know, like, I'm interested in maybe, like, learning how to watercolor. I should do that, and I should do it, like, while our children can see. You know? And, like, being more of a participant in the learning. Mm -hmm. And just being like, this is our family lifestyle. Like, I definitely have noticed little things, like, I mean, we've always been a reading family, but, like, I know you've been making more of a point to read when our kids can see you. Mm -hmm. Instead of, you know, waiting until they're asleep to read. And I do see that they, like, pick up books more to look at. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, kids love to copy what they see. Mm -hmm. And so things like that. But just to think of it more as a lifestyle and it's happening all the time. Mm -hmm. Not like a, okay, school hours have begun and now school hours have ended. It's like it's kind of always happening. It's, like, just part of who we are as our family. Yeah. It's like at 301, like, someone asks you to do something school-related. You're like, nope. <laughs> but I definitely feel like that was, like, our, my experience as a kid. Like, I definitely felt like there was very much a, like... I'm sorry, it's four o'clock, there's no way I'm going to, like, do this, like, right. whatever. You know, but, like, I don't want, I, I want to start our kids out not having that. And in some ways, though, I think the challenge is, like, I'm trying now to find more materials, mm. like, stories and things that show homeschool families. Mm. Because I feel like you always see things, you know, as a kid, like, stories about kids going to school and being in the classroom. And not that they shouldn't experience those stories, because I think it's important to see what other people's lives are like. Mm -hmm. But I also don't want them to always feel so much like on the outside looking in and like everyone else is normal and they're weird and like they're everyone else is a part of the society in a different way. Although I think that that is different now because mm -hmm. so many people panically had to like emergency homeschool in the past year that I think society has changed a little bit around that, which right. is nice for us. Oh man, like we were just, I was, we were talking about it the other day, we were so ahead of the curve on this one. We were because we all, everyone's just trying to get where the top we are choice. right now. Well, and I, I do think though that it's, it's different for us because homeschooling was always the top choice for us. So for us, it was kind of mm -hmm. a happy thing that something we looked forward to for years was finally beginning. I felt like such an outcast for some people. Made this choice, you know. Before. Yes, but it, but that's the nice now thing I'm is like, that oh you oh you're homeschooling now now you're homeschooling no <laughs> We've but been that's but the nice thing though <laughs> is that I feel like because of that we haven't faced the backlash that we spent years stealing ourselves for. Oh yeah, because I was stealing not... ourselves for so much backlash from just society in general and our and even some family members and just like a general like 
feeling of like, oh, we have to explain ourselves and people are gonna, some people will be upset and worried about what we're doing. But instead, it just happened at the same time when everyone was like emergency doing it. So I feel like we didn't experience the same kind of blowback that we, you know, would have otherwise. I'm I, sure in years to come, yeah. some people might still question that we're continuing on this path. But I think it's been lessened because there are still more people that are going to continue. It's the same thing as working from home. Have. It's become normalized now. Exactly. You know I mean? We've, we've Whereas, all realized that we can all do it. And that's know? the thing too, like what I said before about my family and my parents, and I wasn't saying that as a slam against them with my parents not wanting to take us too many places during school hours. That's because like, and I remember this happening as a kid, like we would go, you know, the rare times that we did go to somewhere that wasn't like the library or something during like traditional school hours, like random strangers would be like, aren't you supposed to be in school yeah, right. and like stuff like that, you know? So there, and I think that probably like, you know, not as much of an issue anymore. Oh, sure. So I do think that makes it, that makes it so much easier. Cause yeah, it is like working from home. Mm-hmm. 100%. But did, were there other books that you read? Um, yes. So I read one called like the read aloud family. I believe it was called. It's, it's, by a woman who has a podcast called The Read Aloud Revival. And in some ways I felt like this was an unnecessary book for me to read because I've been convinced about reading aloud. I mean, I think if I had to say what the best thing that my mom did for us homeschooling-wise or just, I guess, you know, as a family-wise was, I mean, she instilled that love of literature by, you know, reading aloud to us, you know, from the time we were babies and, you know, ongoing until, you know, when we were little kids, you know, she read... You know, she read picture books and story books and, you know, and then she read, read aloud novels and stuff. And I think that was really, really great for us. So I didn't really need to read this book to be, like, convinced that we should be a family that reads to our kids because we were already doing that. But it was still helpful in the sense that it gave a lot of ideas. And this helped me out a lot with what I was talking about before with struggling with language arts and thinking, you know, how do I teach reading comprehension? What do I do? It helped me to feel that I was on the right path in focusing more on, at least at this point, and I may reevaluate going forward, but like not feeling like I have to like drill unpleasant reading comprehension questions so much as just read and foster that love of literature. But also it did provide some really good specific examples of questions that you could use that can be adapted to pretty much anything you read to help to develop your kids reading comprehension skills like questions that you can ask them that will then help to you know make them think about the text and follow-up questions and stuff like that so in that way it was super helpful mm -hmm. and so i really liked it even though like i said it was sort of like i'm already convinced you don't need to like because there was a fair amount of the book spent just kind of convincing you that, like, you should read to your kids and it'll be great and it's good for them. And it's like, I'm already on board with that. Our editor probably gave him, like, a big long note that was like, no, but you really need to, like, convince people. Why is this important? Why should I read Why should to I my care? children? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I feel like there was a fair amount of the book devoted to that that was, like, not necessary for me, but I still did get a lot of value out of the book. So that was good. And then the book that I'm reading now which actually was suggested to me by that book because I listened to a few episodes of the podcast after I read the book. And on one of the episodes, she had the author, his name is Ken, I want to say like Follette or something, but that's not exactly what it is, so don't quote me on that. But um, it's it, I'm reading a book called How to Teach Your Kids Shakespeare. Mm. And it was, he was a guest on her podcast, and 
his book sounded really interesting, and so I'm reading the book now, and I'm actually preparing to start using his method with our kids, which I'm, I'm excited about. It's His basic thing is that he did this with his children, and then and he's written out how he did it, so you could just kind of copy his method if you want. Mm-hmm. Which basically is start, and he started when I think his daughter was six because she came. He was, I think, he was like really into Shakespeare, and then his daughter came home and she quoted a line from Shakespeare that her elementary school teacher had taught them, and he hadn't thought before that he could introduce Shakespeare to his kids in a meaningful way, you know, before that age. But then he realized that he could, and so basically he gives you a method for helping your kids to memorize some, and he has very specific passages that he's picked that are more appropriate for children and in in order of like appropriateness and ease because i mean his even though it's like a single book so i mean you could plow through it but his thing is that he did this over like a 12-year period of time with his kids so like he's just talking about memorizing a few selected passages maybe per year so i mean i'm just going to start with a few passages and kind of you know see how we like it and go from there but it's just a method for helping your kids to really sort of read and understand and memorize a few passages of Shakespeare. And the goal being, not only do they, it kind of builds their love of language and they it familiarizes them with some really like known quotes from Shakespeare and plot points that like occur in literature all over, but also just to like build confidence. Cause it's like, like with like his point is that like with his kids, he saw that like for them to like learn a little bit of this, like, they gained so much confidence because they were proud of themselves for having memorized this and also being able to, like, pick that out in, you know, different, you know, TV shows and books and stuff. It gives you that boost of, like, oh, man, I know this, and you feel good about yourself, and that's really helpful. So I'm, I'm very interested in the idea, and, you know, I'm, I'm interested in kind of experimenting with it and seeing how it goes. So that's what I'm reading right now. Mm-hmm. But... I'm interested to know what your general philosophy is now. You want to talk about that. I mean, you kind of talked about that a little bit already, but like what, how has that developed through experience and also reading these other people's experiences, I guess? I mean, I guess my general philosophy hasn't changed a lot, but certain aspects of it, I think, have developed. I mean, my philosophy has always been like, I'm a very academic minded person. So I would say we're academic homeschoolers. And if we had to label ourselves, because I mean, different people homeschool for different reasons. Some people homeschool because they like are counterculture and they want to like escape from the culture. And that's certainly, you know, part of it for us. But that's not like the main point isn't just to be like, we're not a part of the mainstream culture. And just for some people, that's the main point. For some people, it's very specifically, very deeply rooted in like a specific religion and a specific worldview. And that's not really for us either. I mean, we have our own beliefs, but that's not our primary reason for homeschooling. And I think for us, it's always been kind of a combination of academic and also just lifestyle-wise, so, which I guess is, it's counterculture, but maybe not the same counterculture as I would say. If I if I use the word counterculture, there's like a certain image I have, and I would say we're, that's not exactly what I'm saying. But I think we've never wanted to raise our kids just to be normal people. I mean, you would agree with me in that. Like, sure. We never want it to just be like childhood is a training ground to just be a, like a regular person in society. 
And that's not even to say, it's not that we necessarily want to put so much pressure on them to do something that's like, quote unquote, spectacular, as in like, oh, everyone will see this and notice it. Like, I'm not saying they have to be like, famous or rich or anything like that. But just we don't want them to feel like, like, it's not just like, do you know what I'm getting at? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, you obviously know what I'm getting at, but I'm, I'm trying to explain it, you know, to, to your audience. Well, I mean, it's like I was saying about school training you, like, like you, I, I feel like a lot of the special things about our children would be worn down by a traditional Yeah, I don't necessarily experience. think our children are great candidates for a traditional schooling experience. I don't, but, no. But, but also, I mean, I mean, I think, I think, too, like, I think you and I, I think we agree on a lot of things, but I think for me... I'm more on the academic side, like to me, because that's something that I'm like very enjoying of. No, I like it. I no, I know you just know. I'm saying we agree, but I'm saying like, I would say like, I'm more heavily academics, and also I want our kids to be like interesting weirdos. I would say that you are more having heavily leaning on the side of them being interesting weirdos, and like also you want them to be academic. But, like, together, that's a good balance. I don't want like, them to just be weirdos to, for the sake of being weirdos. I want them to be their authentic selves in exactly, the best way exactly. possible. But that's what I'm saying. I'm I feel saying like tradition, from my own experience, I didn't feel like I was, uh, you know, helped to be the best version of myself by a traditional structure. Exactly. And so, that's, that, okay, that's perfectly what I'm getting at, though. We, we're homeschooling because we want to try to help our kids be the best versions of themselves and not to try to shoehorn that into any sort of like a pre-existing mold. I, I love reading. I love learning. I did not enjoy the experience yeah. of going to school. Well, because so much of it is not about the learning and the reading and everything. And also, I mean, and, the, and there's the related reason, which is that we want to we want to have a super strong family to hopefully not end up like the woman from that one book. <laughs> <What's up? laughs> but, I'm, but, but I mean, not to make light of her situations, that's mean and like who knows what happened to her. But like, <laughs> I just mean like, Part of it, too, is that we want to spend as much time with our kids as we can. Yeah, they grow up so fast, as they say, you know. It's... And, like, this is our, like, our family. This is our time to, like, invest in them and, like, you know, 100%. as much as we can. Yeah, I can't imagine shipping them off every day. I mean, that's got to be so hard for people. I mean, that, that send their kids to school. I mean, it has I, know, I know people, people do it again, all the I think time. some people like it. I mean. No, I know. And, I know that's, and, like I, and I don't think that's bad. I think that's just no, like a No, it's a different like, choice. This is a different yeah. choice. And, uh, but I'm saying lots of people do that. But Yeah. Yeah. It, but since we haven't been doing that, it's hard for me as me to imagine. Yeah, it would be doing a it would now, be a major you know, shift. Yes. Be like, oh my gosh, for how long? But going back to how my philosophy has changed, I would say my philosophy has changed in that I went into it leaning. And I still think I'm very academic minded, but I do think that I've opened up more into in the kind of interesting weirdo direction. Mm -hmm. Like I've become, I've I've drifted further and further away from caring at all about like what the rest of society thinks I should be doing or like trying to make sure that I maintain certain standards that aren't set by myself. Like I have high standards for what I'm I- sorry, have you seen the rest of society? Come on, we don't need to live up But I mean, I think I have very high standards for what I want our kids to learn oh, yeah, and how 100%. I want them to develop. And I want them to be I want them to pursue higher education. Like, I want them to go to college, and I want them to go into, you know, interesting fields of study and use their knowledge in whatever ways, you know, work well for them. And at the same time, though, I just, 
I think that I have moved further and further away from feeling like I need to measure myself against the progress of like others or where, what should your kindergartner be learning or whatever. And it's like, I think I, I've more leaned into the idea that it's more about like the destination than the journey, which I guess that's the opposite. Cause a lot of people say like, it's the journey, not the destination or something, whatever. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm saying like, I, the destination is of course that we want our kids to be well-educated and well-rounded and feel comfortable and excited. Oh, it's, it's the journey, learning. not the destination. But what I'm saying is that it's Here's the destination, the not the journey. So you're trying to get somewhere. I'm saying care how you get there. I care how I get there, but I think how you get there is less important in the sense that I think I was previously very tied to the idea of like, my kids will always be absolutely on par with their grade level peers of whatever grade we say they are and what age they are. And now I'm kind of like, as long as by the time they're ready for college, they're on par. So what if one year they're a little behind and another year they're a little ahead? Mm-hmm. That's why I'm no, saying they, it's I, the destination, not the journey. I have a destination in mind, but I'm much more comfortable than ever before with the idea that the journey could not follow the smooth kind of set pathway. That's fair. But I think that's more natural than mm-hmm. being more rigid about it. Yeah. And I think people catch up quickly often after lagging for... And it's like, I just, I, I had to kind of develop in that area because like, I'm not a very flexible person in general. And so I went into it being like, I will never be flexible in certain ways. And then I've kind of realized like, why are you being inflexible? And you're like, what are you trying to prove? And how is this helping anyone? Mm-hmm. That's good though. Yeah. What about how do you, how do you feel I've uh, performed in our first year? Oh, good. I mean, you're definitely more in like a supporting role. Yeah, like, I'm I feel really, like I'm, I'm like taking. I'm not taking the lead at all. So I mean, I, I feel like I'm doing like all of like the teaching and stuff, but I feel like it's still it's still good that like you know I think the kids know you're interested in like the things they're learning about and stuff. And, oh, like yeah. you found us that really good book about sauropods. Oh yeah. And like you didn't even know it at the time, but like it was right before our unit on sauropods is like started, so it was like so helpful today. Yeah. yeah. That's a good book. Gotta get the Theropod one. Yeah, no, I need to find that one. I'm having trouble finding it at the library. It's weird, though, because even when I searched for the title of our book, it didn't come that's up a, either. That's, a, that's the sequel. So but, the Sauropod book that we have is the sequel. The Theropod book is the original. But I searched for the title of the book that we have mm. in the library system, and it like didn't come up. So that's why I'm confused. Is it Carmel? a very new book? You look at Carmel? Yeah, maybe I looked at the wrong library. We have, Carmel. like, two different libraries. Okay, I'll check it there, because... <laughs> I was like, why is Cut that part out. I don't know if they know where we're no, <laughs> Don't kidding. tell them where we're, don't no, tell them no, where we're no, no, but, but no, I, I do need to get that book. But how do you feel, though, as the, as kind of, I mean, you're a participant more in like a supportive slash observational role. How do you feel that our first year of homeschooling has gone and how are you feeling going into, you know, the new season? Oh, great. I think it's going really well. Um, I'm excited to keep going. I think the more we do it, the better we'll get. I think the skills we develop in one area will bleed over into another in that, like, sometimes you have to do things several times before you start to master it. I think once that pattern is established, mm-hmm. that will 
serve well in other things. The reading, I know that we're going to, like, take off soon with the reading. Well, the reading is one of those areas where I'm trying not the, to stress the reading, about the way I did Once the reading before. happens, so many other things open up. You know what I mean? It'll just, it'll all, like, cascade down, I think. Yeah, no, I mean, the reading is an area where I'm still in the process of working on not being stressed about reading. Because it's, like, I feel like our son can, like, secretly read, but he just doesn't want to, like, put in the effort but, but I'm saying once he realizes that if he just pushes himself that little bit extra that he will gain so much more once, yes. once he sees results in that area. He actually loves books. He loves books. He, me- he loves making books. He got so excited about making another well, that book was, today. That was the thing that I really liked. I have many criticisms for the <laughs> um, language arts program that we've been using over the summer, but I, but I, it's almost been all worthwhile because he was so excited because like instead of just having readers that came with it, there's like you get to tape them together and then as you read the different pages you paste in the correct illustration he was so excited about that Mm -hmm. yeah he does love that but i'm saying once he like masters reading and starts reading other stuff that will just open up yeah all new things and other subjects that he's like maybe that's the thing is i think he would derive a lot of enjoyment from it but Also, though, he really loves things where he can snip things and glue things. So, oh, yeah. I mean, that really helped, too. Like, mm-hmm. there's, like, more... That's one That's one thing that's been surprising, because I'm generally, like, against workbooks. I feel like a lot of workbooks are a waste of time, and it's busy work, and it's just kind of blah. But there are certain workbooks that I've gotten for him that he actually just really likes, because mm-hmm. he just likes the snipping and the gluing. And I feel like that's worthwhile to consider as, like... Even if you, like, philosophically are against something. Like, I'm sort of, like, philosophically against workbooks... If you just have a child that really likes to sometimes snip and glue things that are, like, pre, like, put together for them, like, it's okay to, like, let them do that sometimes, you know? I mean, it makes them happy, sure. I don't see why not. Exactly. (laughs) But was there anything else we didn't talk about? I know there probably was. I mean, I'm sure there was. I mean, there's, like, a lot of, like, what we're actually planning to do curriculum-wise this year. We didn't really go over it. Yeah. I mean... So, the thing I'm probably the most excited about, well, I don't know. I'm so excited about a lot of things. I'm really excited about science because over the summer we started, like when we decided to start back up for the summer, I found a science curriculum that's all about dinosaurs Mm -hmm. and prehistoric life. And it's been so good and the kids are loving it. Mm -hmm. And... It's just, like, a short curriculum, though. I think it's, like, 13 weeks or something. So it's not meant to be a whole school year. It's, like, mm-hmm. a supplementary. But from the makers of that curriculum, there are some other curriculums. So I'm going to get a full-year-length curriculum to do, you know, whenever we're done with the dinosaurs in the fall, we'll start into kind of an earth science. And you want it to know if there's going to be clouds. There there will. Good. So it's, like, clouds and volcanoes and, like, all that kind of stuff. So I'm really, really excited to do that. And that's like a group subject we're gonna, I'm going to do with both kids. Even though sometimes I'm surprised at like how much our four-year-old is getting out of the dinosaur curriculum. And then other times I just feel like she's like floating along and like totally not with us. <laughs> like I don't really know. It's like she's doing it with us. But like I that's imagine. That's more her personality than I think her comprehension. Because I think she she soaks up a lot. She's so, Because sometimes she'll tell me things like she's like. 
the earth was very hot, and then there was an ice age, and she'll like be going, and I'm like, wow, you're really paying attention. But then other times it's like, and then there was a dragon, and then I fought the yeah, dragon. Yeah, no, that's the thing is that like, okay, part of this curriculum, there's like a, there's like a part where like there's like a notebooking aspect where you kind of draw a picture and you talk about certain things that you've covered. Sometimes the things that she draws in the notebook, I'm just like, oh my god, yeah, right. it's like Emerald. Why is the prehistoric <laughs> plant wearing a princess crown? <laughs> it's like, but but still, I think it's nice for her to be with us, and I assume we'll just be repeating some of these sciences, you know, in a few years when he's older and she's, you know, a little older or whatever. Um, so I'm excited to just continue on with the science from that same, you know, in that same vein, because that's like something that's working and we're just going to keep doing it. And hopefully it just keeps working and it's great. Um, although I will say that same curriculum that you were scoffing at with like the peg dolls and like the things is from those same people. But I mean, some people maybe are good at making a science curriculum and maybe their language arts curriculum is really different. Um, but so yeah, we've got our science. I've already mentioned we're continuing with the dimensions math. We're doing that. I got the I got the dimensions math also for our um, preschooler, but it's very workbooky and busy worky and like. She's going through it too fast, and like I'm kind of not that into having her do it. Mm -hmm. But I have it for her just so she's not jealous of him having the book. But really, I'm getting like a kind of a preschool program for her from the same people that we got the science from that I'm going to be doing. But I'm probably only going to be doing that a couple days a week just because she's joining us with his stuff so much that there's not going to be time to do it like every day. And I don't want to like push it on her. It's just kind of when she feels like it, I want to give her a little bit of concentrated time. Mm -hmm. You're going to be doing that. I've got a history program. It was really hard to find a history program that met my needs, but I've got an ancient history program. It's called History Quest. And I think that it's going to be good, hopefully. Mm -hmm. You know, it starts with like, you know, Paleolithic times and like, you know, ancient peoples and goes up. I, I don't really know exactly when it stops, whenever you transition from ancient history to middle times, whatever that is, question mark. But that should be interesting to do. That's another thing I'm going to do with both kids, but I mean, I assume that, you know, we'll have to repeat it with the other one later. Obviously. Um, <laughs> but she'll be there for that. So we're doing that. I'm considering adding a geography program that I saw called Around the World in Picture Books that I really want to do. And I mentioned the Shakespeare we're doing. We're doing a lot of music. Because we've been doing, since like last spring, we've been doing um, online piano lessons with both the kids. Mm -hmm. But I'm also adding now a program that's like with, it's like desk bells. And it teaches, it supposedly teaches you pitch and also music theory and how to read music and stuff. So I think it will kind of be a good supplementary to kind of help with the piano and also just to give more of like a general music idea. And it's like a little bit easier because the piano I think has been really good for them, but it is a little bit slow going. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think they can more experience more immediate success with this kind of dust bell thing to kind of boost their confidence and keep them going. Especially, I think it will be good for our, our son you know, just to kind of help him with his piano. But I was especially drawn to it for our daughter because she's almost done with the preschool piano level. But I feel like she's still a little bit immature for the next level of piano. And even though I'll probably just start it with her whenever she's done with the preschool level, I feel I don't want her to get discouraged because she's really, she has such a good attitude about practicing and she's so musical. 
So I didn't, I wanted something to kind of bridge the gap. So she's not like just like this is too hard and not fun. So I wanted mm-hmm. something a little more fun, a little faster going for her to do. So I'm excited about that. So we're doing a ton with music. I'm also doing more with art this year. That was that was a big regret from last year. Is that I never really figured out how to do art. Mm-hmm. Like and I and that was something where I kept thinking I will cobble something together. I'll just like do some picture studies or something and I just didn't really do it and I felt bad about it because I do think art is important and it's like so often it's like I feel like I'm so focused on being like I will make sure we're doing the math and the reading and stuff and it's like I want to make sure that the things that are important to our family like art and music should be represented and now I think we've definitely amply covered the music but art I have started doing more of I got kind of a basic book that I've been working with from the library just to teach you know all the basic, you know, lines and forms and all that kind of stuff. And I'm also buying a art curriculum to start in the fall that has more, like, picture studies and information about, like, the different, you know, known artists and also projects to do based on them that I know both kids are going to really like, especially our son because he's, like, super into art. And that's the thing is that I felt really bad about not doing more concentrated artwork this past year because, I mean, he draws for, like, hours every day and he's super into it and I mm-hmm. want... I want to nurture that and for him to feel supported and that, like, we value his interest. I mean, that's partially why we got this dinosaur curriculum. Because mm-hmm. it's something that he got really interested in. I want him to feel, like, supported and we value your interest is and we can, you know, follow what you're into. Mm-hmm. So the art is something that we're going to really be doing. We've been doing a little bit this summer, like I mentioned, but we're going to be doing more and more of that in the coming year. And I feel like there's even more. I feel like I'm doing, like, a lot. Oh, French? There's an area that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. I've struggled so hard to find, okay, because they, okay, to find materials for this. Because they always say that the best time to learn languages is when you're super young, right? Mm -hmm. But most language learning materials that seem legitimate at all are for someone who already knows how to read. Mm -hmm. So not someone who's like three years old or four Mm -hmm. years old or, you know, maybe like a new, like six-year-old or seven-year-old. Because, you know, most, like, most language curriculums you can get, it's like you're conjugating the verbs and you're writing them and you're reading them and all that. And it's like, our kids are not ready for that. They're very young. So to find decent language materials for them has been a struggle. Mm -hmm. And I tried a subscription service briefly. And it's... And I almost regret canceling it because, weirdly, the kids still talk about the words that we... Like, the one day that we tried the subscription service, like, the kids will still, like, randomly shout out the words from that, like, one day. It was very, like, aesthetically pleasing and twee and, like, it just... It vibrated so hard on, like, the aesthetic level, but I felt... But I worried it was light on content. Mm. But maybe it wasn't because, like I said, months later, the kids still remember it. But I mostly canceled it because... You're talking me into getting this again. But... I, but I don't think I want to do it because it was so expensive. Yeah. It was like so expensive that I was know. like. Yes, it's like the Montessori toys you were talking about. I know. Those are so expensive too. <laughs> but so I canceled that and then I tried a few other, like I ordered some books from the library and they, I didn't feel like I was going to be able to implement it well because mm-hmm. I thought maybe I can just cobble something together and teach them like colors and stuff. But I felt not very confident about my pronunciation mm-hmm. since I'm obviously not a native French speaker either. But I finally found one thing that I really like, which is a set of books, and the kids love it. Like Every day, they're, like, so excited to do it. It's a set of books, and I almost returned this when I first got it because I thought it looked very spindly. Like, the quality is not – like, the actual quality of the materials is not very good. The illustrations are nice. Mm -hmm. But the actual – just, like, the books themselves are, like, 
it feels like thin copy paper where it's almost like hard to turn the pages because they're so thin that they're like stuck together. So it's like, that's not good. But the kids love it so much and I really like the format. So every morning there's like a, there's like, it's like a set of 10 storybooks that you read through. But you all, it also has like a QR code that links to a website that has audio of a native speaker reading it. And it has the little dings, like you know those read-along books that you have when you're learning how to read where it dings when you turn the page. So you can like hold the book and like they read it in it to you in French and you turn the page with them. And the kids love it and we've been doing that every day and like, you know, we've just been doing that for a little while so I don't know how much we're like gaining from it but I think it's really good and I want to add more but I'm still like, it took me so long to find this one thing that who knows how long it will take me to find more pieces to add to kind of, because it's, it's not a very robust study of French, but it's a start and that's better than nothing. And that's the other thing that I've really learned is that like not to hold back on doing anything at all because I feel like it's not enough or I'm afraid it's better to do something and then add to it. Mm-hmm. So we're doing a little bit of French and we're hopefully going to add to it over time as we figure out more that we can do. We also have some more things that we do every day, like some little books and things that we read. Like we have one about like the solar system that we read like a page from every day, which is like a continuation of, we had one about animals last year. And this Mm -hmm. is like the next, another one in the same series. It's like about like mysteries of the universe and stuff about like the moon and the stars and all that. And I feel like there's more, we're actually doing a lot. But anyway, I mean, I feel like I've I've like talked and talked. So that's probably like, (laughs) that's probably enough. But there's so much to do. There is. I I am awed and amazed by the amount that you have put into this. And I don't feel like you should feel like we're like behind at all because I feel like compared oh. to your average No, I know we're students, not behind. We're it's just like I always feel people. I know we're not not behind. I just always feel that pressure in my mind of like I want to make sure that we're not like I always, you know, you always, I mean, you always want to give your kids the best and make sure that yeah, like, and we're not trying to compare ourselves could. to like people that we know we can do better than. So it's yeah, like, it's like, it's not, it's not like, it's not like I think we're behind by like an average person's standards. It's just like by my standards, could I be doing more? And the answer is always yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I look forward to giving our children a patriotic education first, <laughs> but a lot of people do. I'm that's why I'm saying, that's what I meant when I'm saying like, Different people have different goals I'm, for their homeschool. I know, I know. But different <laughs> people have different goals for their homeschool. And when looking for homeschool materials, you have to sort through materials that are made for different audiences. Like, there's a lot of patriotic materials out there that we yeah. could really... It would be easier to find. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But, uh, <laughs> not to get off on that tangent. Thank you for being on the Rob Burgess Show again. Oh, Thanks, yeah. Burgess. I'm sure I'll see you soon. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see.
Join the Rob Burgess Show mailing list. Go to tinyletter.com forward slash the Rob Burgess Show and type in your email address. Then respond to the automatic message. Also, please make sure to comment, follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review everywhere the podcast is available, including iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Twitter, Internet Archive, TuneIn, RSS, and now Spotify. The official website for the podcast is www.therobburgessshow.com. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. If you have something to say, record a voice memo on your smartphone and send it to therobburgessshow at gmail.com. Include voice memo in the subject line of the email. Also, if you want to call or text the show for any reason, the number is 317-674-3547. Until next time.